Welcome back to this episode, this free episode. Free Ooh, episode. Free episode. No, no, don't um, do the voice. They haven't earned it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, you didn't pay for this one. Yeah. Uh, this free episode of TF, the podcast you were listening to at the present moment. Mm. Um, it is myself, I Riley. just realized when you say that in that phrasing, it just turns into cop. Uh, this is the podcast style experience you are currently engaging in the vicinity <laughs> of. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, the uh, the aforementioned the aforementioned uh, assailant uh, engaged mm. in several podcast style experiences, microphone involved podcasting <laughs> yeah. incident before uh, being killed by several of our uh, gun style bullets. Um, <laughs> you know, so uh, no, we are we are a we are the podcast you're listening to right now. We're also mm. our own people, but right now we're the podcast because that's how that's right. ontology works. Um, mm. I'm Riley. I'm here with Milo. Hello. Uh, I, for one, am nostalgic for lost futures. That's what I'll say. Um, <laughs> is it ontology, not hauntology. <laughs> <laughs> Just confusing the two wait, all see, the time. Uh, wait, hold on. A really, a really, really Essex person talking about Mark Fisher being like, yeah, you got ontology and then you got ontology. That's the you same see, way Mark you make Mark Fisher was interested in the philosophy of being and not being. <laughs> um, no, that's, not a, that's not quite okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we also have with us Hussein. Uh, yeah, I'm stumbling out, um, kind of drunk, out of the vampire's adult ball pit. Uh-huh. Mm. All bar vampire. Yeah. That's right. uh, and also with us, uh, we have Alice. Do not know enough Mark Fisher to continue this bit. Um, mm. And uh, we are we ha- we have Nate in studio. Final boards. You know, uh, classic Mark Fisher trivia is that he lived in Felixstowe, which, if I'm not mistaken, is in Essex. So Essex Mark Fisher could have been a thing. Felixstowe right. Port is also owned by Trinity College Cambridge. If you want to make it even more <laughs> trash future, uh, yes, all of it's it's all connections. We're all posting mm, that stupid eye right, emoji. My third eye is fully open. Uh, and we are very pleased to be joined uh, on this episode by Annie Kelly, the British correspondent of QAnon Anonymous. Uh, Annie, how's it going? Hi, thanks so much for having me on. Um, Finally, we can find out about Britain. (laughs) (laughs) So, what is Britain? (laughs) What's going on over there? (laughs) Um, Yeah, this is actually like, I think my my third podcast that I've been on this week. Um, Oh no. Yeah, I've been a real podcast slut. Yeah, that's um, right. We've been decontaminating after each episode because it can it can build up. Yeah, this is <laughs> this is this is Clout Week Annie Kelly edition. Mm. <laughs> um, the podcast meters only go up to three point six Röntgen, but the real levels may be much higher. So um, I wanted a, f- a few things, uh, a few things just to uh, to kick us off with. Um, number one, uh, I don't have any sort of note for this, but um, David Graeber. Uh, who you? If you're listening to this podcast, you probably know uh, died recently, a couple days ago, before the recording of this podcast last week. From when you'll be hearing it, um, and he was a he was one of probably not only was he uh, one of the most like influential uh, intellectual figures of the modern resurgent left, uh, along with Mark Fisher. Um, he was like he is the guy that first said like, we are the 99. percent Like he's that guy. Mm. He also was a. An, an academic whose work was 
uh, always rooted in actual on the ground activism. He is someone who is would be there, a, a relatively prestigious um, academic type who would be there protesting with like grad students striking for higher pay, mm. higher pay. And I, I think it's just it's important to recognize. Um, I sounds like I sound like such a dick when I say this, but I feel personally like I I owe him. Uh, this show especially would be it would not be what it is without him uh nor would it be what it is without mark fisher and he i actually feel like, voiced father mcmurphy i feel like <laughs> we are a i feel like we are a lesser place uh it is it, it, the world is a lesser place with them gone so i've been yeah. i've been thinking a lot about um david graber and want to sort of just give that yeah. little tribute rest to in him. peace david graber really smart guy really nice guy also a guy who name searched and would fave your tweets if they were good and call you a piece of shit if they were bad. And that is someone that we can all identify with. Yeah, the two wolves that live in all of us. Oh, did you see the woman who, like, got, got into a posthumous fight with him on Twitter? Oh, Francis Coppola? fight? Can't be mm. Francis Coppola, a very normal British person. Yeah, no, what, what happened was she, um, she had tweeted at him and he had taken exception to it and he had, like, called her a dumb piece of shit or something of that nature several years ago and then blocked her and then on she she decided to bring that up the yeah, day he died just like incidentally just so we're not canonizing this guy he was rude <laughs> to me on twitter several years ago so when <laughs> i die it- i look forward to like 20 minutes of eulogy and four days of that <laughs> oh it's gonna it's gonna be so good yeah that did make me wonder actually like which Twitter accounts would do that about me if I died? Probably a lot of the mm. QAnon ones. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have an idea which <laughs> ones would do it for us, but mm. we shouldn't really mention mm. them. All I can say is, a lot of dungarees will be clipping off yeah. that day. <laughs> Some, yeah, I think if I ever die, they'll just be like, yeah, without him, the left would never have known what a South African was. Sorry, <laughs> if I ever die, <laughs> I intend to live forever. Make it, make it known I am getting the bionic man surgery. No, I'm going in on the same day as Alice, but I am getting robot everything. Yeah, I, I'm just getting the pussy, and then in the next bed, you're injecting twink blood with Peter Thiel. Yeah, is it, yeah, Milo just gets adrenochrome forever. Yeah, but if I ever do possibly die after my death, they'll be like, yeah, without him, the left would never have known what a South African accent sounded like. So um, I guess, so I guess we owe him that. We have Annie on because I want to talk about, um, I want to talk about QAnon because I'm interested in QAnon's relationship with the world outside of America, and I think now that we've had a bunch of sort of you know bogus quote unquote save our children rallies, that oh it's a good enough time to talk about it. However, I want to do a really fa- a fast startup, a speed startup, a lightning okay. round, mm. lightning startup. It's Ooh. called Bioformis, and four is spelled like the number four rather than. Uh, this is the thing that's going to be keeping Milo alive forever. Just a thousand yes, cycles right. a day <laughs> sacrificed to the golden throne. I'm having one of my testicles replaced with a bioformus. <laughs> uh, that's right. Mm. Uh, so, what do we think? Bioformus. For miss, I guess. Uh, it, 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 uh, is it like, is it an energy thing? No. No. No, no. It's, an, it's the other thing that it could be with a name like that. It's so some kind of a fitness thing. No, it's the other thing it could be with a name like that. <laughs> yeah. It's like nutrition? No, no. Think more. It's the um, other other thing it could be with a name like it, that. It, it's it's a speed biology tuition session for ladies. Um, it's uh, it's saying oh, it's closest. It's, it, it's, a, it's a it's a haplogroups powered speed dating service, so that you can <laughs> see your date's genetic profile and see if there are any surprises in there. Uh, yeah. Annie. 
Any get bioformis? What do you think? Me? What's what does bioformis mean? What's it do? What's it do? So it's a startup. Oh yeah, it's called bioformis. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh no, I'm at a loss. Is I don't know. Is it some kind of yeah, some kind of like health nutrition sort of it's, like lifestyle thing? It is indeed health. Uh, I'll say mm. I'll say this. Uh, for it is it says it is personally blank care customized oh that's right not just customized predictive oh no oh, oh okay. no is it, is it like does it predict um, what kind of illnesses you're gonna have like yes yes okay. it is a essentially i can't wait until i get that and before i realize i have gender dysphoria it cuts my fucking dick off and i imagine awesome. i imagine that there's like a surveillance component to it which like sort of is built on machine learning Oh, Hussein absolutely has am I, nailed am I, the business am I, model. Am I, do, am, I doing, am I doing good today? Yeah, you're doing super good. It, it you're tells gonna... your boss the exact day you'll get colon cancer, but does not tell you. I've got a perfect... So, okay, so so it's um, it, it predicts the exact day you die so that your enemies know what to post about you um, <laughs> on the day that you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> Milo gets it, and it's just like a question mark. It takes your 23andMe results and it determines whether or not a company should hire you because you'd be a risk to their health insurance plan or not. Uh, Assuming this is America. So it is, uh, now it could be used for that, but mostly it's being deployed for things like clinical trials. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, The CEO says there's this whole new era which has evolved of how do you use software to treat and manage, manage disease, optimize the right dose to the right patient at the right time. Um, and he says that this is going to be a way to make healthcare more accessible. Yeah. Oh, I love the word accessible. <laughs> but, woo! Um, Hell yeah. He says that uh, but unnecessary hospitalizations lead to billions of dollars worth of medical costs and as well as readmissions in the US. Why are so the costs just- billions? <laughs> oh. <laughs> they're just uh, they're just all toxinous. They just arise yeah. that way. Alice, you can't answer that question with an AI. Mm. <laughs> it's not a good question to ask if you can't answer it with an AI. Founded by a doctor, Jose Mengelesh from Buenos Aires. <laughs> um, so, so basically, it says the BioVitals platform shows you more than patient data. It can help show you the patient's future. Oh, no. Okay. Again, number one. Minority could, report before anyone, your health report. Any company that's claiming to do this is always bullshit. Always. It always turns out to be bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um. It says, they, but they can predict and prevent costly medical events with a modular user-friendly platform. Oh, not a costly medical event. <laughs> That's my least oh, favorite kind of medical event. costly medical event. So for health systems, it includes, improves clinical outcomes by reducing readmissions, and it improves workflow efficiencies. For payers... Oh, yeah. It reduces overall healthcare expenditures while improving clinical outcomes. Those pay pigs. Uh, so that's usually insurance companies ordinarily. Uh, and then for pharmaceutical companies, it augments drug efficacy and outcomes using drugs plus what, digital intervention. What about for patients? Who? Yeah. <laughs> also, they've stolen, the, they've stolen digital intervention from the name of the band that me and Nate are starting. Um, the P- so basically it says... Nate's just shaking his head. <laughs> Uh, so what I I've what I found the t-shirts. what I found most interesting about this right um, is that they say that this could finally be a breakthrough for treating endometriosis, uh, which uh, okay. because it can objectively measure the pain someone's in. Oh, oh that thing that we hell. know how to do. But how would that help? Because well, you can't t- you can't trust women when they say they're in pain, right? No. 
No. No, of course not. You, so actually, you it, need can't, an AI. it can't help you cure endometriosis, but it can help you definitely. Yep, yep that's endometriosis. <laughs> Essentially, yes. We have essentially, oh, we, we okay. have just like outsourced, if we've outsourced the police racism to the racism computer, we have now outsourced the medical sexism and the medical racism to like mm. the medical condescension computer. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> no, uh, your sickle Annie, cell is to- not flaring up. So that's uh, right Annie, here. I want to throw to you. Uh, what's your what is what is your assessment of this? Um, uh, you might say uh, hospital Skynet minority report box uh, that says nope, that woman's not lying. <laughs> I'm baffled by it. Like I didn't I didn't know there was a way that you could objectively measure pain. So how would it be doing it? How could that Magic. possibly work? Magic. I think the this is the AI. AI. <laughs> but you can't just say AI. <laughs> Yes, you can. Uh, AI, 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 AI. This is like, Mm. I think this is like something that's like really starting to get to me with like the word algorithm is like how we kind of like how we use the word algorithm because Mm. it is so inscrutable. So it's basically just kind of a plausible deniability thing. Do you know what I mean? Uh, Of course. Yeah. It's like, yeah, well, the algorithm made that decision. No, you can't see the code. Do you know? Mm. Yeah. A- any <laughs> sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic in that it doesn't fucking work. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this, they say the digital solution for managing patients with endometriosis uh, will include a wearable clinical grade biosensor to capture physiology biomarkers in a patient facing mobile app to monitor uh, symptoms. Biosensor. With, with a gamification engine for patient management. <laughs> ah, yes. The oh, AI, the AI I have to level technology. up my jogging. The AI Play, based, playing Frogger so, with my heart arrhythmia. So the AI-based technology will provide a continuous quantification of pain by applying analytics to physiology biomarkers. So again, you can't just let someone tell you how much pain they're in. No, no, couldn't do that because that wouldn't. Yeah, you know, it would be cheating. Well, because where's the uh, where's the AI go? Where would where would the app in that relationship? In? They tell the app how much pain they're yeah, in. You, I mean, I guess you could do that, but you know, it's. There is so much more potential just, to computerize this. Just as a sort of a, a bit of Skynet paranoia, I'm also not very happy about teaching AI as one of the first things we have it do, how to recognize and quantify human pain. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a potential risk. <laughs> take heart, Don't worry, take heart, Alice. There's... Mm. I, I'm sure there's no risk of it actually. Literally, yeah, no, literally no chance this will work. Mm. It's the fucking <laughs> the, the, the yeah. thing we should be thankful for here. Um, yeah. So look, that's also like I. There is. It's not to say that right that that AI doesn't that AI or like pr- some kind of predictive analytics doesn't have a place in healthcare. Like mm. a randomized control trial is basically a way of doing predictive analysis and. A lot of the could probably be improved by the application of technology. But if the application of your technology is to basically like try to reduce, try to reduce things like um, re- try to reduce costs in the health system by like creating efficiencies, but not looking at who's making the costs happen, and also like trying to improve patient outcomes by taking the patient out of the equation and just sort of prodding and poking mm-hmm. and measuring them, then your pl- then I'm sorry, your your platform is probably doing more harm than it's preventing. Um, yeah, so awesome. Anyway, the, the reason that I wanted to talk about Bioformis is not just because of it, but uh, it recently has received a little investment. Oh, no. Ooh. How many billions? Ooh. 
Okay. No, uh, Alice, you're burying the lead again. again. <laughs> no, it has been it has been uh, invested in by a Mr. S. Bank because the Vision oh, Fund is back. Yeah, that's right. Vision Fund Two, first big investment. Bioform is hundred million dollars. We need Mr. S. Need... Bank and Mr. H. Ball. <laughs> we need theme music for the Vision Fund. I don't know what it will oh, be yeah. yet, but we need to have some. Answers uh, on a postcard. Pitch reverse Star Trek music. <laughs> Are you obligating me and Milo to do some more composing? You guys, <laughs> you guys a, do not need to be obligated. This is a thing that you are choosing for yourself. <laughs> that is true. We've yeah. broken our own brains. Um, so yeah, that's it. Uh, it is for remote medical tools for the home so that you can basically be spied on all the time, but cool. for someone who's trying to do medicine to you. Uh, as opposed to someone mm. who's trying to raise your car insurance or make sure that you're paying attention at your job. Well, it kind that of sounds does... like someone who's trying to avoid doing medicine to you, right? Like someone mm. who's trying to figure out if you're just kind of making up that you need medicine being done to you. Yeah, it's a yeah, neat it's way sort of... of denying healthcare. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like the little L.A. noir thing where it just reads your face while you say you're in pain and then like presses <laughs> X to doubt. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's also just like how vague the technology is as well. Like, oh, it contains biosensors. Cool. What's a biosensor? Like, that's, what? Are uh, that's bio. That's bio right there. Yeah. Detected bio. <laughs> Probably <laughs> literally bio just a like a, a pulse oximeter. That's all it's going to be. <laughs> mm. So it says the Bioformis Health Unit. Cool. <laughs> we'll co- continue with the BioVitals platform to provide remote Please monitoring stop putting and bio care management. On everything. Yeah. The, the BioVitals bio that. unit is going to provide bio monitoring of your bio signs. Yeah. Mm. Um, it's just Metal Gear Solid shit now. I yeah. hate it when my BioVitals are permanently biocompromised to a permanent end. <laughs> yeah. I hate it when I have a heart attack and my bracelet starts going snake, snake, <laughs> snake. Yeah. Uh, the colonel there played by Michael York. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, what I what I getting what, sucked off by an app. So what I think about this right is that like it's I, I saw this on on Twitter recently right where someone took apart a digital pregnancy test and saw that it was oh, just yeah. a sort of moisture sensor on a normal pregnancy test. It was just it has this digital wrapper around it, you know. And and for me, it's the it's kind of the same thing, right? Where it's like we're kind of it, yeah, it's continuous monitoring of a wearable, sure. But mostly, you're, you're still just kind of using it in many cases to like try to deny care to people Have you or seen to yeah the luxury version of this, which is the ring that they're giving NBA athletes in the bubble, um, or were until the strike started anyway, uh, which was going to mm. literally it was supposed to measure all of their vital signs, and mm. what it turns out to be is just it, it's just a pulse oximeter. It's just the thing you can buy for like a tenner. Uh, and stick yeah. on your finger. Well, hey, they say, you know, their wearable predicts heart failure 14 pri- days prior uh, oh, to it, a heart no attack it doesn't. incident. No, it doesn't. That, that's not uh, a thing that's medically possible. Alice, let me give you a little retort. AI. <laughs> <laughs> Money, please. If you say it enough times. Uh, so, yeah, that was, I wanted to do a little quick startup just to celebrate the return of the soft of the SoftBank Vision Fund 2. I'm, We're doing 2019 now forever. I'm going to be thinking about predicting heart attacks mm. two weeks in advance for the next like couple of days, and it's going to make me furious every time. 
What type uh, of heart attack? Predicting heart attacks two weeks in advance is something that FSB is very good at. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, just to make their technology work, they use the uh, heart attack gun that <laughs> Just Castro injects uses. you with Novichok yeah. two weeks after it sets off the thing, just yeah. to get, like, get their numbers up. <laughs> oh no, it appears from your bracelet that someone has put a nerve agent in your tea. You should get that checked out. Lots of people die from this. <laughs> uh, so... I want to first. I I, I have a. I want to turn to to Annie now. I want to ask her, how do you go about getting adrenochrome out of a child? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually had a guy um, at the London rally explain this to me in great detail. Oh no! Um, Does it involve a garlic press? <laughs> well, all I know is it's something to do with something called. I had never heard of this this term before researching QAnon, and now I feel like I read it every day. Um, the pineal gland. Uh, oh, yeah. Which, oh, this is fear and loathing in Las Vegas getting out of control it here. Is. Yeah, yeah. And, um, I didn't realize that QAnon was such big Cartesian duelists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, what's, uh, what's, so what's going on? How are we actually... Uh, do, do it. Do it like a. How are we Nigella Lawsoning some adrenochrome into a, uh, a summer mm. cocktail? For we our, make it into a jus. For, <laughs> for our, like, wealthy guests. Um, I don't know. They, they they talk about it getting extracted. Uh, so kind of the way I imagine it working is like a really big syringe. Mm -hmm. um, but you would think, this is something I've often thought about, why children? Because surely they've got a smaller pineal gland than adults would. It's, it's probably like veal, you know, it's or ortolan, you know? It's like a sinful yeah. delicacy. I heard that they have to be scared. You basically have to terrorize the children, and then yeah. their pineal gland secretes the adrenochrome. Yeah, it's 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 yeah. So they have to be they, ha they have to be scared. But like you know, adults get scared too, right? Uh, it's probably not adults. the same, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no. Maybe ma ma maybe you're right. Like it's like a purer kind of being scared. <laughs> you get like an like, AOC. <laughs> it's like it's like a what and Monsters Inc. Right. I like the idea that this conspiracy has taken root in people's brains because the people who believe it can only conceive of childhood as permanent terror for some reason. It does say a lot about who this is. Yeah. So if mm. you if you didn't guess by the adrenochrome question, we are going to talk about QAnon for the balance of our time here. Because um, QAnon, for balance, we're going to talk yeah. about QAnon. <laughs> yeah, we're going to mention the controversy. Tim Davey. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, so we are we are going to we're going to speak about this. Um, I want to talk about, just to give ourselves a little context, if you're listening to this, you probably know what QAnon is, but just in case, let's do a little mm. bit of a table setting. The way I understand it, and Annie, please correct me if I'm wrong, um, is that QAnon is the conspiracy theory that explains why, to the people who decided Trump was a god emperor, their lives still suck. They're, well, we need to understand, so Trump is this god emperor, we got him in, we got our victory, oh shit, all of these things that they were promising, all these things I was dreaming of, just haven't come true. And so there need, it may, there need to be like, something has to be keeping these things from happening. Is yeah, that a fair yeah. assessment? So that's, that's a fair assessment. So yeah, so it explains essentially why, as you say, nothing really seems to be happening by sort of saying, oh, there's this kind of covert war happening behind the scenes between... Um, Trump against the deep state and the kind of forces of darkness of Hillary Clinton and 
uh, humor Aberdeen and yeah, all of the kind of other Democratic Party <laughs> officials. I, I, I love that. They, it's like, yeah, Huma Aberdeen, the woman whose entire job was to just like get yelled at by Hillary and bring her gum. Somehow. <laughs> yeah, uh, but um, to bring Hillary her psychotic lunch order of a hot dog yeah. with no bun. Um, you have to, you have to yell at her, quote. otherwise she won't secrete the adrenochrome. That's right. Well, yeah, Huma Abedin was just like an adrenochrome blood bag for Hillary. I mean, you, know, you know what's really terrified. funny is that, like, part of the reason why, uh, like, cheese pizza and things of that nature have become accepted as like code for pedophilia in QAnon is because John Podesta and Huma Abedin were so fucking weird about food in their emails. So like John mm. Podesta would mm. like write an email that was like, mmm, going to enjoy some delicious cheese pizza today. When it was like to all indications <laughs> about eating a delicious cheese pizza. Because like the, all of these people are in a very fit like metaphorical sense reptiles. And so they just talk <laughs> like that. Yeah. Can I ask Annie the the Huma Abedin angle? Is this because uh, there has to be a secret Muslim conspiracy angle in QAnon, or is it because she was married to Anthony Weiner, or is it just her proximity to Hillary? I think it's just her proximity to Hillary. So the reason I I, I remembered Huma Abedin's name is because I've literally just finished today reading um, this really long like uh, Facebook exchange on um, one of the UK QAnon groups. Um, Oh, okay, this is a great start. Which is a save, save the children group where someone is trying to explain this background. Someone who I would say is like fully pro QAnon is sort of trying to explain all of this background to, um, I would say, I guess the more like soft believers who are kind of there for the for the save the children stuff, but don't necessarily, I suppose, um, not necessarily on board with all of the kind of Donald Trump and MAGA aspect of it, which is sort of fair enough because they're they're from the UK and this stuff isn't really relevant to them. Um, and so the, well, the reason I mentioned Huma Aberdeen is because there's a supposed videotape of Huma Aberdeen and Hillary Clinton um, killing a child, um, which, yeah, they, they've sort of like was it, uh, it's a bit of QAnon, like lost frazzle drip. Frazzle drip. Yeah, we've all been on Ebaum's world. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> which is a kind of like lost artifact um, of kind of QAnon belief, mm. I suppose. So they all talk about people they know who have seen it, um, people who yeah. they trust who have seen it, but no one has, you know, actually seen it themselves. Mm. Thing is, it's on a USB drive, but if you lift the USB drive off of the little plinth that it's on, then a boulder rolls down, <laughs> down the hill. <laughs> after. Um, so what I, I, I think it's, it's worth. It's it's worth understanding, right? That that this this conspiracy has gone in phases. We started mm. as as you mentioned, Annie, with P with Pizzagate, just the release of these emails and the fact that all of these DNC insiders are so bizarre that That's they can't really talk weird. normally. Yeah, they're being really excited normally. about eating a cheese pizza and unusually Second. specific about <laughs> it. Yeah. Mm. Uh, what it was? Oh yeah, I remember what it was. It was like, oh, I found a handkerchief. Is that pizza related? Yes, I. I, I Just I, like I, the, I, the I massive eye emails. emoji opens. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, so we have Pizzagate stage one. Stage two is there is this conspiracy around, and um, I think it was I think it was actually might be Milton Friedman said this is that when in a time of crisis people pick up the ideas that are on the table, and Pizzagate was there on the table, and it got picked up by. Uh, by a lot of the people who are promoting it to explain why 
well, Trump sort of was not not like you know giving everyone millions and millions of dollars if they mm. voted for him and 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 just and nuking Hollywood yeah. and things and, and of that that's, nature. And that's when you got the Q drops, which was where mm. on on eight chan, uh, this mysterious shadowy figure named Q would provide these like drops of information, which were very cryptically phrased, stupidly cryptically phrased, but nonetheless. About like the deep state and the storm, which is this like, uh, I suppose, uh, great conflagration between Trump and the deep state. Mm, the I guess day of it reckoning. Truly, yeah, it truly does prove the phrase about the devil making work for idle hands. You know, when you only have to make like an exploding pen for James Bond once every four years, you're going to get up to all kinds of shit on the internet. <laughs> so, so then, I th- then we move into what I I tend to think of as QAnon phase two. Which has been, which is all of this stuff was sort of bubbling away in the background, but then phase two happens after coronavirus, where mm. everyone suddenly is scared and poor, and they're in a very precarious situation, but they're also ridiculously bored and on mm. the computer all it's, the time. It's also a kind of distributed cue, right? Because at some point, and in, in between your sort of your phase two and your phase three, the actual cue drops. Like the people who are writing these things just kind of get bored and like lose control of it. Um, mm. And and so now you just get all of these sort of like. Um, a deuterocanonical Q texts that appear, and like you find Q drops that like start copying other things, and it starts going into this wider conspiracy ecosystem, and then it just pulls in everyone, and so you, that's how you get these huge rallies that pull in fascists and turfs and conspiracy theorists and David Icke and uh, Jeremy Corbyn's psycho brother, uh, and so on and so on. It's it's just total like meltdown. It rules. Yeah, I mean, I guess one of, uh, I think, like, the main strengths of the QAnon conspiracy theory um, is that it it is about current events um, in a way that, like, I think lots of conspiracy theories often aren't. They're about, like, this fixed point in the past. So, like, I'm thinking of things like, I don't know, like, the JFK assassination or uh, 9-11 or, you know, all about this, like, one specific event. But if QAnon is about what's actually happening, then it has this like amazing ability just to kind of like consume every conspiracy theory that like keeps on cropping up and just being like, yep, that's part of it. That's part of it. Um, Which is why I think they have made such a connection, as Alice points out, um, but particularly in the UK here with the vaccine skeptics, um, which Mm. is a kind of like a strange alliance, but totally makes sense when you kind of look at like how um how AQAnon operates um but also just like i suppose like the uk's own kind of specific weird sort of conspiracy quirks i suppose um so you, the kind of anti-vaccination movement is like really popular in the uk um and it's especially strong on facebook groups and um particularly parenting groups um which i think is why QAnon in the uk has really got this distinctive character of um you know the rally i went to a couple of weeks ago was mostly women um many many mothers with young children do you know mm. Mm. um and they were often they were all a lot of them were very new age do you know as well they kind of didn't they sort of yeah. didn't have this sort of kind of fundamentalist christian side that you see in the um some of the us examples they were kind of much more i think sort of on the kind of you know talking to me about things like crystal healing and kind of uh, one woman oh, introduced nice. herself as a being a Reiki shaman, um, 
And yeah, kind of talking about sort of meditative stuff and all of this stuff I have like no familiarity with whatsoever. Um, and I wasn't really expecting it. So it was quite interesting. I wonder if that's like one of the reasons why QAnon is like the a lot of growth is sort of accelerated from Facebook, right? Where like yeah. suddenly you have all these groups of like, so one of the things that um, I had seen, I, um, I, I had written this piece about astrology, like at some point last year. And the first kind of interaction I had with like proper QAnon stuff was um, when I was watching this Facebook live show, uh, which was all about like astrology and new age. Mm. Um, and the way that they, the way that like, I described it to friends was like, what if you had like call me daddy, but you had to um, the, the, like the call you the call me daddy podcast. But what, what if you had to like um, new age people who would just talk about like spiritual spirituality and wellness and kind of like finding your inner femininity, but also sort of mentioning all the stuff about how, if you're not careful, like, you know, you don't know what type of chemicals, you know, uh, companies of government contracts are putting into food to like, mess with your kids brains and everything and like the thing mm. that i've kind of been thinking about recently is how facebook has kind of been this really ideal crucible for this type of i i don't even know whether you can call it a conspiracy theory but rather like just a tech like a type of posting tendency where you have lots of distrust and lots of kind of um disparate conspiracy theories that all kind of congeal into one thing and they all like reinforce each other um and as a result, like you end up having people who not only kind of more firmly believe like in the, the batshit conspiracy theories that are easily disprovable, but the fact that even trying to disprove or dis- debunk these things doesn't even matter. And you like end up like getting into this- Libra energy. <laughs> and then you end up getting into this place where everything feels so absurd, but it's like, okay, well, if I'm going to try like debunk you, or in some cases, um, like there's been like a recent uh, thing about um, people who are trying to figure out what the hell do they do with their family members who have like fallen down QAnon holes and stuff. And it's like, well, it's not that I can't disprove them, but I just don't really know where to start because they suddenly like, it's not just one conspiracy theory they've latched onto. They're latching onto like so many different things. As a re- and w- which di- which feels like it's so far removed from like even kind of Pizzagate stuff. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it was kind of something I really noticed at the rally in London was um, how quickly it kind of folded over into these sorts of, I suppose, yeah, I kind of almost don't want to call them conspiracy theories because like some of them were positions I agree with. So Mm -hmm. for instance, you know, there were lots of anti-Prince Andrew signs. They actually ended up outside the Buckingham Palace yelling pedophile. And I mean, if it was solely that, if it was just like uh, like this huge griefing campaign for the royal family, just for their kind of like involvement with Epstein and everything like that, I kind of wouldn't have a problem yeah. with them. Do you know? Like, how how do you not kind of uh, become vulnerable to that when there are things like uh, Prince Andrew right. allegedly being yeah. a massive pedophile that are like pretty much like accepted facts now? And you st- like if the if the actual prime minister then says about it, oh yeah, he's above reproach. Don't worry about it. How do you not like go fully off the deep end into like you cannot trust anybody except I guess these Facebook groups? Yeah, right. That's the thing. It's not just fusing in conspiracy theories. Um, you know, with other conspiracy theories. It's fusing in conspiracy theories with like things that are basically true and we just can't do anything about them. Do you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I was going to say that, you know, years ago, the first time I read Umberto Eco's Ur Fascism, I think the one that was the hardest one for me to comprehend or at least to sort of contextualize 
in the regular everyday world was the first point, which is basically talking about new age syncreticism as a, an aspect of fascism. Nazis loved it. Exactly. And, and the mm-hmm. idea that, that, you know, that, that, that knowledge is finite and that all knowledge has been discovered already and has to be rediscovered and that there was an ancient knowledge that people understood better than modern practices. Mm-hmm. And the syncreticism, the idea of melding it with contemporary things, mm-hmm. I guess I wasn't really super clued into like how that what that would look like and i think you know going to uh, i spent some time in hawaii where in like an area where people were really into like living in the jungle and you know using healing crystals and not taking medicine and stuff and that i I sort of got an idea but this also seems like a manifestation of that that what annie what you're saying is on one hand you have groups of people who are legitimately you know protesting grievances that aren't being addressed by the sort of protective nature of the british establishment but then you've also got people who believe in a lot of you know crunchy things you know, candles and, you know, fucking burning sage and to, to, to clear out bad spirits and shit. But then also, uh, I didn't see uh, any bad spirits in here. Do you, <laughs> some, some, inter- you know, the, then the, the overarching internet conspiracy theory that also is directly sort of part and parcel tied to the idea that Donald Trump is both, you know, flawless and chosen by God. Mm. So it mm. really is a right wing conspiracy theory, but like it's gaining traction with people that would, you would think wouldn't be, yeah. you know, I can, I've been hearing about God. People talk about him. I hear, I hear he's a very big fan of mine. Listen, I don't know God personally. I've not. I've heard him say he thinks I'm a great guy. Look, I welcome his support. Okay, God, <laughs> God, you're okay. You, you know, you know what, the, you know what QAnon feels like to me. It feels metastatic, uh, and what I mean by oh. that is, it feels as if it is just like percolating through uh, all of these other separate things, totally like unfettered. Uh, and well, th- it doesn't have to be cohesive. It doesn't have to be connected to anything else. It can all still be part of this same whole, even as it just like shows up in unexpected areas at the worst times. I I I kind of been trying to think about how do you define something that is purely um it's purely a reaction, right? Because and you look at what it's a reaction to. And I think if we talk to let's let's remember the startup we were talking about at the very beginning. And this, I think, especially goes back to the QAnon anti-vax connection, the QAnon Mm. crystal healing connection, whatever. The startup we're talking about at the beginning is the direction a lot of medicine is going, which is more objective, more removed, the patient more disempowered, um, more and where you are the the adrenochrome extracted. (laughs) You are the subject of a system you don't understand that frequently and for reasons you don't understand tells you no, no, no. The materialist analysis of this says, well, the system is telling you no for reasons of, say, class composition. But if you don't have a materialist analysis, then you look at this obscure, alienating, strange, inscrutable system constantly telling you no to things, either you don't know why you're getting sicker. You don't know why you can't seem to get a job. You don't know why you can't get your kids into class. You don't know why any of these things are happening. And so just as just as you can reach for a healing crystal because you don't trust your doctor, uh, you can reach for QAnon because you don't trust anyone on the TV anymore, yeah, except and, your friends. And, 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 what's, and what's so seductive about QAnon is that it's participatory, right? You, you can uncover the truth. You can help Donald Trump defeat the deep state. You have agency in something where, in a lot like of times, like a bad computer game you play yeah. at primary school. No, it's, like, it's, it's, it's exactly you Donald Trump it's ex- defeat the pedophile conspiracy. It's Zork. no, 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 no. It's it's not. It's not. It's exactly what it exactly is. Is an ARG. Did you ever play one of those? They used them as tie-ins for movies and stuff. Yeah, I've been advertised through, to through an ARG. You get to like play a little game and you find a thing. You put in a website and it was before QR codes. Yeah, and it it makes you like feel as if you're 
being a detective, and that's that's very like engaging, particularly to yeah. people who do not like who feel that they are denied and feel not without reason that they're denied any kind of agency in their lives, so, and that they're in the I, thrall of this kind of malign, overpowering system. So, uh, Annie, what I'd like to ask you is. But going beyond sort of QAnon generally, something we've touched on, which is mm. how it's fused with different strands in the UK, sort of different anti-establishment strands. It's like quite often mothers and quite often anti-vaxxers or crystal healing people or whatever. Um, it has taken a strangely long time, to my mind, for QAnon to come over here and finally start becoming a political Coming tendency. Over, yeah. Is at number one, <laughs> am I right to say that? And number two, why? Like, what? What is the nature of QAnon's relationship with Britain? Yeah, so it's really interesting because I agree with you, even though the evidence kind of doesn't back us up. But I think so. I think there's two different things that are going on here. So the UK, since the beginning, since the first Q drop, so 2017, I think that was, has been like pretty consistently the like uh, country with the second highest QAnon social media activity. Having said that, when I first like joined the QAnon Anonymous podcast and they wanted me to be their British correspondent, I kind of said like, guys, I don't really know if like, I'll just be kind of repeating what you guys are saying because it doesn't really have its own kind of distinct national character necessarily here. Do you know? It was just kind of people talking about the same stuff. It didn't really feel like it was seeping into um, into our politics or into our kind of like real day-to-day lives in the same way that it was in the US. But I think this has massively changed over lockdown. Um, and I think there's kind of oh. s- several reasons for that. Do you know, um, it was kind of the point um, you made very early on. You said something about how people, are, you know, QAnon simply has a bigger captive audience now. Um, just because of how many people have been stuck at home on the computer. Everyone's been checking the news and checking social media more as well. Um, Kind of heightened sense of panic in general. Um, But also I think it just was also a perfect time for, um, you know, the kind of vaccine skeptics who I've talked about, um, who were already kind of starting to make these tentative kind of like theories about 5G towers um, and that sort of thing. So they were already starting to gain a bit more prominence. Um, and I think that was a really, a really happy alliance for QAnon there, that they could kind of like fold that in and suddenly get a much bigger um, platform on kind of UK social media. Um, so yeah, I know what you mean um, and I agree. Um, but I think that's the main difference is that it's always been here, but now it's kind of actually come becoming a much bigger force in kind of our i suppose political cultural life mm. yeah because i've got the so i i listened uh, to sort of some of your recordings of the uh q anon uh, britain rally uh in the fantastic podcast q anon anonymous which we have often been on and they've been on here and you should listen to um and what the thing that really struck out for me here really stuck out was the extent to which it's so different in character from the American Q rallies. The American Q mm. rallies are all impending violence, a storm is coming, a change is coming, look out, we're coming for you. Whereas the um, the British one, I actually caught this down. It says, we, the woman on stage said, we are telling people how we feel and that is going to change the world. You are safe, you are protected, you are loved. 
there's work going on in underground tunnels that most people have no idea about. I mean, but for the okay, last yeah. sentence, that's basically Extinction Rebellion's pitch, too. Yeah. <laughs> and the last sentence is just a correct statement about the brave people who clean the sewers. <laughs> or HS2, yeah. 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 And also the other quote quote was a woman bemoaning, when did the world become so hard? Referring to her belief that the world was a cruel place that was abducting and killing and killing children for their adrenochrome. But yeah. I think it also be understood as an expression of like, of like, I'm, of, I'm profoundly lost and alone and lonely. So that's why I think where, yes, you might say the American QAnon, or at least in the early stages, had the characteristics of an ARG. I kind of think that the... British QAnon or QAnon as it is now, for me, the more I sort of look into it, the more I read the forums, I also look at the forums and the Twitter and stuff. It's more about a feeling of a feeling of finding a feeling of community in a very alienated world and just doing so in a way that's fucking insane. Because this is a thing about like I think there's like a certain thing about British Internet culture. And by this, I mean, like the kind of like mad Gen X and boomer sort of Facebook. Like like if you're a Facebook boomer in the US, right, like the way in which you're a Facebook boomer is like mad conspiracy theories, like Obama is a Muslim, like that kind of level. Whereas if you're a Facebook boomer here, so much of it is like being in weird groups like oh do you remember the milkman and like having this like odd like my sister came for dinner the other night and my sister is like kind of my (laughs) 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 10 million brits riley did you see the thing recently about like the 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 thousands of people complaining about oh bin men were proper odd back in the day like just huge if a bin man was shagging your wife you couldn't stop him because he'd knock you out Um, (laughs) 10 million british bins 10 million mm. British people all getting together saying a chorus, yes, we remember the, the milkman. Literally. Fucking literally that Facebook group exists. Yeah, of course you get radicalized by a Facebook group that's like, you ever play heads down, thumbs up? Oh, fuck. But yeah, so yeah, my sister who is like, she's Gen X and she's kind of my like portal into like the Facebook boomer world because she claims to hate Facebook, but she spends so much time on it and she joins these fucking groups. Like she's currently doing a slim fast, which is something I thought had died with the 90s, but apparently it's still a thing. And uh, she's joined the slim fast UK Facebook group and she was showing me some posts from in there and they is like... People have like made meals that they're recommending that you also try making, and you're looking at this picture, and you're like, I cannot identify what that's supposed to be. And then also a lot of people just taking picture of the scales where they've weighed themselves that just like includes their feet, but like they're not feet you should include in a picture. <laughs> like also, also I think there's a parallel right with turfs, and I'm gonna keep coming back to this because it is like. The same, the same recruiting ground of like Reiki chakras, wellness, middle-aged women, and it's one of the reasons why Mumsnet became this huge recruiting ground, right? Was because it was a place that offered community, and it was in objectively insane ways. Like the most famous Mumsnet thread before it got all radical was about a guy who washed his penis in a beaker that they kept on the nightstand after sex, right? But like, it's it's very easy to go from that kind of harmless weirdness to a much more, to a much darker place. Mm. The beaker was full of adrenochrome. That's right. the, place where you find, the place where you find the weirdest stuff are in Facebook groups that are kind of about an- animals. Um, that's what, like, that's what I found anyway, but like, you'll, t- you'll join, you'll join like a group 
um, of people who just say that they have like border collies as like pets or whatever. And like the amount of kind of conspiracy theories that happens in these pet groups also because the one thing that you can guarantee, and like if you go into any newsroom and stuff, like any news person will tell you this, the one thing that always gets clicks are stories to do with like people who have been suspected of like abusing animals or selling animals. Um, you know, and I feel like that's kind of where, and like one thing I noticed when I was like looking at like British QAnon stuff recently was that so much stuff actually came like so much stuff that intersected with like the anti-vaxxer things, but also um, just like, the whole, um, just even kind of veering into like Islamophobic and anti-Semitic conspiracy theories are all to do with like sacri- like killing animals and vegetarianism and like, mm. or not even vegetarianism, just like abusing animals and like how, um, you know, this is something, this is like part of the elite's plan to kind of like remove um, and make us all eat like artificial meat and everything. So it's quite interesting to see how like there are these very kind of old tried and tested um, what, things that what, are like why, dis- is, but- why is George Soros trying to get me to vaccinate my German Shepherd? Personally, yeah, I, mean, I, I love yeah, to I log mean- onto a Facebook group called Dog Lovers UK brackets proper <laughs> English, and the first post I see is a three thousand comment thread under a post that says like. How is it that Clifford the Big Red Dog is that big and that red? <laughs> it's not possible. It must be someone's behind it. And then 300 what? posts later, then someone says, well, yeah, Soros wants to vaccinate you, but it's Bill Gates that'll control you. Yeah, all, of the, all of these people have a German shepherd named Prince because the one called Sheba died. What I was, what I was going to say was that like, if we're kind of looking into like, even though this all feels very novel, I feel like actually the um, the kind of Gen X tendency to kind of really get stoked and riled up online over things that are like either evidently fake or are at the very kind of like a, a very charitable level, like mostly untrue with like maybe like, you know, a pepper, like maybe kind of like Two a Pinocchios. little sprinkling of truth. Mm. Yeah. Five um, Pinocchios. You know, the reason like, like all, the all, this stu- all this stuff is kind of like conditioning, right? All this stuff is things that this generation has kind of been conditioned to get mad about. And all of a sudden they've now like that kind of anger has been placed inside a system that the media has no control over. Um, and basically no one has control. Like even social media companies don't have control mm. over like all this built up anger that is like sort of. Mm. And now for the past perversely, the, like the BBC bends before the whims of a Facebook group called, yo, you remember ground force? That's right. <laughs> so I, I want to I pull us back. Charlie to... Dinkin would no, not Charlie Dinkin. But what's her name? Charlie. Charlie, uh, um... Charlie Dinkin's just a person I know, <laughs> not her. Before you, before you move forward, Riley, I just have a quick question, Annie. The one thing that I was wondering, just really quickly, from your observations of this as the correspondent and also having seen it in person, is if I were to hazard a guess, what a QAnon style uh, event in Britain would look like, I would expect that there would be some. Uh, transphobia, grooming gang hysteria, and Islamophobia. Did you encounter People that? selling Juice Plus. In, it was Charlie uh, Dimmock, kind of- by the way. Oh, yeah, fuck. A, a, an incredibly British name. Actually, Powerful. I've, I've been wanting to ask that question as well, Nate, that you're asking, which is, this seems to me to be two different conspiracies about child child abuse is the grooming gags ab- uh, conspiracies because and then the grooming gang shit I see all the time with kind of like deranged boomer Twitter and, and things along those lines and I was just wondering like when that manifests in person Annie did you because QAnon I'm sure I mean you've got that in the sense of the sort of evangelical kind of millennial kind of craziness about it but in Britain it's always pronounced in a really like forthright way I was wondering if you encountered that yeah I was really interested by that question myself um, and like, it's sort of one of those things where I can't not see those two things fusing together. And I think even at the rally, even though it wasn't overt, so 
you know, in direct answer, no, no one brought up grooming gangs. Um, nobody, um, yeah, nobody kind of brought up kind of like a, um, yeah, kind of uh, transgender issues or anything like that. Although I think that Alice is right and that there is like a turf connection there, which I think I'll go into in a little bit more if I've got time. Um, but there were signs that I felt like I was picking up on, which sort of showed to me that this was eventually going to fuse with that culture. So for one thing, you know, there was a point when everyone just suddenly started um, chanting defund the BBC, um, which cool. like, and the B- I they're, have they're my own issues with the BBC. Authority truthers. I have my own issues with the BBC and I imagine you guys do too. Um, but I sort of got the feeling that they weren't the same issues. And one of the reasons mm. for this was I saw somebody holding up a sign that said, BBC bigots bumming children. And I kind of thought... <laughs> oh, okay, I- that guy's ripping off my T-shirt. <laughs> I have the copyright on that. But the thing is, like, this is not about like their institutional protection of Jimmy Savile. This, oh, no. this is not the actual thing they criticism. actually did. Yeah. This is never yeah. about the real thing. No, it's, it's always because about Dick and Dom are on TV, and that sounds a little bit too dangerous for me. Yeah. Why is it that they won't put ground force back on TV? It's because of the nonces. Um, Charlie Dimmock knows where the nonces are, and they're silencing her. So I, I think, but I, the, I, we do not know that she knows that officially. I, I don't. I, I, I sort of understood that these. I sort of. It's not surprising me that like that these different conspiracies about all that all center on child abuse are mm. separate because they're all because the point is never the child abuse. It's just that child no. abuse is the most evil thing these people can imagine. Yeah, because in a collaborative storytelling exercise, the biggest, boldest, highest stakes story always wins, and so it's just stakes escalation. Where it's like, I heard they're sacrificing children. I heard they're sacrificing children to Satan. I heard they're eating their brains, and then it becomes the biggest, most dangerous, highest stakes thing. And it's always one big reveal after big reveal because it's structured like a narrative, and it's trying to impose a narrative structure on reality, which is not a narrative. I mean, it reminds me a lot of the satanic panic daycare stuff from. America in the yeah. 80s and 90s, which I'm a little too young to remember in its heyday, but I do remember hearing Canada. Yeah, I remember hearing some of it, you know, even when I was old enough to have like, you know, childhood memories of the news. And this, the, this, I think, plays to a similar fear, but it just, it gets more fantastic and more, I don't know, freeform in a way. I mean, yeah. if the satanic panic people who were convinced that like, you know, daycares were playing Judas Priest records backwards and, you know, having weird orgies with kindergartners, if they had access to the internet the way people do now and social media the way people do now, I think you would see something similar. It's just, this is a manifestation of that tendency, in my opinion, at least, mm. yeah. just Yeah, absolutely. And they, in fact, they actually like use those materials as well. Like you still get clips of like kind of satanic panic era news footage and stuff like that. It gets posted in these Facebook groups as like, you know, um, proof proof of the theory you know like look how long this has been going on blah 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 um so i was going to say that connection i think is like it's it's not just there in terms of kind of like um you know all of this has happened before it's actually like getting repurposed for the new conspiracy theory Mm -hmm. because like the the essence of this right and this is why i'm so interested as to what it looks like when it comes to britain right Mm -hmm. because you know as as much as you know we like to say they're, they're similar these are these are 
even though as much as Britain is Americanized, they are still profoundly different places with profoundly different national psyches. Yeah. And whereas like the American Save Our Children rally is, you know, like a medical technician from Grand Rapids holding a you know heavy sniper rifle in front of their child that says not for sale. The British version has seemed a lot more overtly polite and nice and deferential, but still very and very much about like um and, and it's it is and I think it, this is why I actually think it's almost more dangerous as it as it comes in over here because it will it's slide into the national consciousness. Yeah. It's respectable yeah. middle class, really and that's why it's in the Telegraph now. Yeah, I have yeah. a copy of that article, but Annie, please go ahead. I was going to say, well, this is really what frightens me about it because, like, at the heart of QAnon is this just like very, very like scary, very frightening kind of slightly fascist conspiracy theory, which is like it's a sex panic. Do you know, as someone else pointed out, it's a sex panic without any kind of like analysis of kind of like, um, I don't know, kind of like capital or feminism or anything like that, anything which might kind of like explain these power structures. So it's incredibly volatile. Um, and it's it's really, I think, it's, it kind of has this very sort of scary ideology at the heart of it. Um, but it's also, you can't do the typical anti, you can't do the typical anti-fascist demonstrations against a bunch of mums who are just sticking up for child sex abuse victims, right? Mm. Like it's kind of, it's just not really going to work. Um, it's not like, it wouldn't be helpful. Um, and also it's, it, but if it's so much more kind of seductive that way and it's so much uh, less obviously mental that way, it kind of just has this really soft front um, just from the way it's manifested in the UK. Um, and yes, I think somebody, I can't remember who brought up that kind of really nice sort of like attitude with saying you're safe, you're protected. Do you know all of this kind of very sort of like feminine, very kind of welcoming style of like speaking. Um, but at the end of the day, it is still a sex panic, which just doesn't, you know, which we know historically do not end well um, for kind of people who sort of like sexuality is already kind of, you know, deemed a sort of deviant. So, you know, trans people, Muslim people, especially in this country, um, you know, like homeless people, anything else, do you know? Um, so it really, I, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm really do want to kind of push the idea that it needs to be taken seriously and we can't just go, oh, well, you know, they're not waving AKs around and, uh, you know, saying that Trump is the God emperor. So uh, it's it's a bit nicer over here, you know. The one thing I wanted to throw in really quickly before you move on to the, the Telegraph article was just, I think for me, something as an outsider in this country that has always surprised me is the extent to which there's a lot of conspiracy theories. There's a lot of stuff that turned out to be untrue or exaggerated, but there's also a lot of stuff that turned out to be 100% true with regard to uh, the British elite protecting mm -hmm. elite pedophiles and child abuse gangs, especially in the middle of the 20th century, but even up until recently. And Rotherham gets brought up a lot because of the the uh, you know Islamophobia angle in the sense of of being able to it's 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 the it's the St George's Cross Twitter wet dream in a way because it's it's mm. like a labor council refuses because they don't want to be racist against these invaders who are colonizing our children you know that kind of shit. But I feel as though, in a way, this there was already a sex panic about grooming gangs and about organized child abuse in this country. Most much of it based on true events, or or true, mm. but but uh, sort of exoticized in a huge way that, in my opinion, overlooks the extent to which this isn't a problem of 
there's you know the the the, the racist your dad argument is just, there's 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 too many damn Muslims they're doing this but like no the majority of these cases are being per- perpetrated by white people Look, against they claim white they people. want these people to integrate into British society and then as soon as they start nonsense they don't like it you know pick <laughs> what do you want but I guess that's the point right is that what Milo just said even in joke form is that because this is a problem that's so common to me at least like as long as the framing is specifically around protecting victims of child abuse and preventing child abuse I could see this gaining a lot of traction but you know I, I feel like the concern that I have obviously is that like nothing QAnon demonstrates that stuff can be so patently false and imaginary like level of like David D's Photoshop cartoons about like fucking how Mm. 5G is going to turn your brain into ants I'm not joking and And yet people are going to believe it. And I just, I shudder to think of what that's going to look like in a country that already seems primed for meltdown like Britain, you know, especially downscale Britain. You know what? My brain would be better if it was ants. (laughs) Have a go. It can't make it any worse. Come on, Huawei. Turn my brain into ants. Maybe they cooperate and make something better. Before we go on to the the mainstream media point as well, I just want to say that you, the thing to remember, Annie, I'm also going to add something to what you said here, like. Is that QAnon's not just a sex panic? It's also a fantasy about the deployment of the state using violent force to kill yes. everyone you don't like, and it is a justification. You're seeing that more and more in the states yeah. of people just taking that into their own hands. And so, if you want to talk about syncreticism, yeah, there is a new age syncreticism over here, but there is a right-wing militia syncreticism that, again, I think it's a, only a matter of time in the States that I think it's only a matter of time before we get our volunteer border force syncreticism. Yeah, and I would also throw, mm-hmm. I mean, we, I would also throw in the fact that in the United States, at least, the, the really violent, incredibly fundamental fundamentalist Christian sort of strain of this is something that's already been kind of contended with in politics. I mean, you have a, um, uh, there was a politician in Washington State, like a state representative who was basically, if I'm not mistaken, a member of an organization that like wanted to overthrow the government, establish a Christian theocracy, and kill all non-Christians in America. Uh, he also <laughs> hilariously had a had a policy that like uh, he made his his wife always had to walk like five steps into the left of him, and he carried a sword everywhere he went. No, he's <laughs> making a point about JFK because his wife oh, has cool. to be back into the left. But lol. <laughs> but, the, 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 but the point he's going to cut through some cowboy boots, and there's going to be meat in there. But the point, <laughs> the point I'm making there is that in the U.S., I mean, like that. that so in that regard, if, if QAnon takes on those tendencies in America, that's also a reflection of uh, a tendency that already exists in America, and. The, the sort of dark heart of like, you know, fucking bin collection politics of Brit- like bin collection fascism. I shudder to think what's that going to look like when this kind of morphs with it. And also, we know that our Brit- the British media will do a really, really good job of protecting against it. Because- Speaking of which, uh, we are now <laughs> going to say, yeah, Alice, you alluded to the Telegraph earlier, yeah. which posted an article still up, by the way, and they retconned an article from a couple of years ago to make reference about how Pizzagate's not real, to make reference to this article saying, but it's a bit real, I, c- I can't wait, before we get into this, until the new Director General of the BBC makes every panelist on Have I Got News For You Q. That would be better. That would actually be cool. I would watch that. I would actually watch that. But so uh, this was from the Telegraph. It was in a bathtub. It was from the. (laughs) (laughs) Have you seen a pedophile in a bathtub? Yes, it's Dave Clifton. Wasn't there? Wasn't a bad partridge. So (laughs) the Enigma machine strikes again. (laughs) So uh, this is from when these are sex panic. (laughs) (laughs) So it it starts the Telegraph. This article is from the twenty eighth of August of this year. And the headline is pedophiles using cheese and pizza emojis as a secret code on social media. Oh, my mm. keyboard smells of hammers. 
Yeah. Cheese and pizza emojis are being used as a secret code by pedophiles to communicate on social media sites such as Instagram and Twitter. Online safety groups okay. have warned. Why don't they just use the DMs? No. <laughs> I feel like the smart pedophile would use, you know, DMs or email or something, you know, which is probably not public for, yeah. A call. Maybe they could use the lemon juice invisible ink. That would be pretty smart. Most kids know how to do that, too. They could teach you. A group of more than 100 volunteers and parents has banded together to hunt down and report accounts. So, that solution is mine. That's a classic. (laughs) That's a future Britonology is the volunteer pedophile hunter. That's (laughs) a British guy. (laughs) Fuck, yes. Uh, and report accounts using the emoji to signal that they are sharing sexualized use- every, images of children. Every emoji is a possible vector of child abuse, and there's like hundreds mm. of them. Yeah, but like, yeah. the thing is, right, this is just a, re- number one, it's a reference to Pizzagate. This is just a reference to Pizzagate. Uh, number two, it's also said, oh, but yeah, but there's actually one that is doing this. So it's a Pizzagate, it's a softening of Pizzagate, it's a legitimation. It says, no, we're just trying to protect children. Just asking questions. It is the soft sell of a conspiracy theory about that really is the people love, you huh? politically dislike uh, as we're just trying to protect the children. Not racist, just don't like them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Annie, I assume you saw this Telegraph article. Uh, I what did, did you think of it? yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I was stunned, to be honest. Like, wasn't it written by, like, the Telegraph's, like, social media correspondent yeah. or something yeah, the like telegraph that telegraph social media correspondent you know yeah, people have yeah. sent me many emojis on the wireless over the years <laughs> <laughs> but this thing is this, this guy's a young guy like i thought this was just like an old dude but like had maybe been given a story that was like a bit over his head but no this guy is a mm. young guy who like hosts like semi-regularly online Oh yeah. damn! but like the thing is right he's like, on friends reunited at, and everything <laughs> that's at, right fundamentally right you you can't any any attempt to explain creeping fascism, which make no mistake, this is mm. this is a oh, very soft manifestation creeping. of it. Yeah, yeah. D- galloping maybe. Um, yeah. But any 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 attempt to sort of do that with reference to oh to someone being um, say young or with it or smart or stupid or whatever, it's always going to fall flat because that's trying because that always imagines that fascism is somehow a mistake or something that can be avoided or corrected. No, it's a political tendency with political aims and. The Telegraph is a fascist paper. This guy just then went ahead and posted and and and, and posted an article that was consistent with the overall aims of the paper to make Britain a more more right wing place. Love to work in the big fascist, the big ideology, uh, the big ideology factory with the dial turned to fascism. Yeah, they just spend all day <laughs> sniffing and turning the ideology yeah. dial. Uh, right, so they they say the development has prompted a former government child safety advisor to warn parents to avoid sharing images of their children on social media in case they are stolen and traded. Oh, damn! They're like Pokemon cards. Now, what what does a, a government like advisor in this capacity do? Because every government seems to have a half dozen of them, and their only role seems to mm. be to be quoted in like a little bit of pedophile hysteria every few months. Uh, Please, please do not share any shiny images of your children. Half of them are still looking for Madeline McCann. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's so, right. Also, very. Uh, that's group, what those pizza emoji guys are doing. The group of parents was started by a woman from London named India. Cool. Yeah. Normal. So, we've again, we've talked about, again, this is a, a I think India is a pretty middle class name. Yeah, not even everyone her named name India was a victim of class. trafficking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. And so the idea is, yeah, she stumbled across child's uh, image accounts on social media and then set up Twitter and Instagram pages called Protect, Protect PD, dedicated to naming accounts she finds sharing images of children. 
But again, it's just I, I, I'm sure that yeah, there are probably a couple out here. But if you do one Google of cheese pizza child abuse, you're gone. You are if you do one Google of the phrase cheese pizza child abuse because you read it in the Telegraph and you're like, oh, maybe I should protect my children from being abused by cheese pizza people. You are now taking your first step down a road that it's going to be very difficult to stop walking down and you're going to keep walking down it because the stakes are raised with every piece of information you learn. Well, I mean, it's also just like basically free advertising for that Facebook group, right? So you get parents reading it and being like, I want to protect my children. I'd better, you know, like I'm I'm an active parent. I'll stay like, you know, plugged into what's going on and stuff like that. Um, And that's even even worse because at least if you like Google chill, cheese pizza child abuse or something like that you're going to get some like you know here's what QAnon is here's why it's bad it whatever explainers but I mean I think the really terrible part is just like straight up just being like here's where the Facebook group is you know you can get involved if you want to you ever wanted to be involved in a, in a join in your local pedophile hunters uh, yeah exactly <laughs> I'm doing my right your country like, needs you it's like the home guard yeah yeah, it's like oh my god, dad's pedo hunters, <laughs> yeah, Captain Mannering. Don't tell him, Pike. Yeah, the yeah. cunning pedo being like, what? your name will also go on the list when the pedos take control. <laughs> so I mean, uh, they're already in control. <laughs> oh, you read the Fuck, fuck. It's <laughs> <laughs> so, the last thing we wanted to happen. Well, oh no. Specifically, yeah, you you ref you prefigure what I'm going to bring up next, which is that Chris Chris Morris possibly the last brilliant satirist in this country was just about 15 20 years too early with uh, when he did Peter Geddon possibly yeah. still the funniest piece of media ever produced <laughs> oh it's so good um that's would be that no that's a britnology just just Peter Geddon just putting all of the audio from Peter Geddon and putting it up on the podcast feed being like this is pretty good huh yes yeah, it's better it's a better britnology than i could ever do yeah. that's for sure but it is like if you like what what chris morris is talking about in in Peter Geddon fundamentally is like is is a mass reorientation of society towards like fearing imaginary pedophiles and and the whole show is a is a satire of like action in-depth news programs that cause you to like be terrified and feel powerless so you'll keep watching it's just the satire came too early it was in 2000 2000 or 2001 i think yeah and people got very upset it got the show it got the show canceled that was the first episode of the second season and after that they were like nope no more (laughs) yeah and that that's that's a victim of cancel culture yeah that, exactly. Uh, how have I got news for you? Accidentally helped make Boris Johnson prime minister. Chris Morris actually did satirize something real, which is that this country is um, very, very um, vulnerable to uh, mass hysteria specifically about their children. Yeah, but would you rather have that kind of insight or would you rather have season 600 of Paul Merton raising his eyebrows? Well, if, well that's, if we want to take this even further with the mainstream media thing, right? It's not just the Telegraph, where th- with the whole like growth of um, with Tim Davy, the like you know Tory councillor coming in and taking over the BBC. Okay, number one, my another conspiracy theory I I now fully believe is that the last night of the proms fake controversy was fabricated so that Tim Davy could come in and make a decisive po- a choice, saying we're gonna have the lyrics to the slavery song and it's gonna <laughs> and it's gonna piss off all the human rights lawyers. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure are, are that, we triggered that was by that? Are we triggered yeah. by hearing Rule Britannia? I should hope so. Yeah. So only I'm because pretty- only because it wasn't followed by Gooba afterwards. Yeah. So, but point is <laughs> right. So he's come in right, and he said. Uh, this is actually from uh, noted 
noted um, noted Tory MP Brent Ben Bradley. Oh, uh, look classic. at some of his look at some of his tweets. Yeah, please, yeah, please, please retweet on him. Yeah. 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 Uh, ben, please please retweet Bradley. It says Tim Davy appears to be talking a good game at sorting bias at the BBC, but whether it'll lead to real change, time will tell. I'd like to see more right leaning comedians given a chance rather than effectively being blacklisted for their views. Now, what, <laughs> what Ben Bradley what Ben Bradley thinks he's saying is. Wouldn't it be great if we got Boris Johnson, the cool guy from the TV, back on Have I Got News For You? That would be so fun. But what if he got to win every engagement? But what that actually means, if you ask yourself, where is the creative energy on the right? It's all in QAnon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, what's yeah. really funny is that like, one of the things that immediately leaked was BBC producers, um, who I, I, I would say are kind of like center-right lot as a rule, uh, going, mm. yeah, well, we tried booking these right-wing comedians, but they're not funny. And when you yeah. consider how unfunny most BBC comedy <laughs> is already... Oh, boy, yeah. is it unfunny. But the reason I, mean, I bring I, this up, the reason I bring this up is that is that if you if you have a media culture, especially one that is officially being pulled to the right by the BBC, mm. and you have the nascent QAnon movement, how long can you do BBC programming, whether it's, you know neutral news or whether you're trying to commission a comedy show before you begin getting little references to QAnon here and there. Man I mean, like look, Mobin joins a grooming gang. <laughs> I'm, mm. Oh, for fuck's sake. I'm, um, I'm, I was going to say, I'm very excited for like Stacey Dooley having to like go into the heart of QAnon and then ending up <laughs> becoming radicalized afterwards. Which is, like, which, is also like, which is also like another thing that I feel like we haven't really factored in, which is that like, um, you know, media producers who also get radicalized by this like level of information, um, and you know, if the B- if depending on what the BBC decides to do, but if they are basically going to like take QAnon stuff a lot more seriously, including like taking advocates of QAnon stuff seriously, like it may not be inconceivable that you have people within the organization who are like, yep, you know, this, you know, pizza references they do check out, and they definitely do deserve like a fifteen minute segment on Newsnight. Mm, um, that's right. Much more so yeah. than like another segment on homelessness or like refugees, yeah. like drowning and drowning in the Mediterranean. Newsnight, which, which like, is now yeah. hosted by the Triggerpod guys. <laughs> I mean, uh, basically, but, yeah. yeah, basically, yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah, I'm yes. interested to hear what you what what you have to say on this about the about, about like this phenomenon. Yeah, I mean, like you know, I think there's precedent already. They like you know, uh, was it like Newsnight or I can't remember some BBC new, news program where they interviewed uh, that guy from Generation Identity. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, it's always right Newsnight. The- oh yeah, normal. Yeah, yeah, right after like the Christchurch shooting, and they just kind of like you know chat- sat down and chatted to him for like ten to fifteen minutes. You know, there's absolutely no reason why they wouldn't do that with yeah. like a kind of QAnon thought leader, right? And you know, of course, they'll kind of have their sort of like, um, you know, their kind of uh, their balance, their kind of academic. Um, God, it'll probably be me um, who has to go on there and be like, this is preposterous. Uh, <laughs> absolutely no evidence. Um, but, you know, it doesn't, that's sort of the BBC's game, right? That's mm. what they do. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and the, the two great pillars say who's right. of BBC credulity, Newsnight and uh, Radio 4. And between the mm. two of those, that, that just anybody like and so i i thoroughly look forward to hearing about the secret tunnels and john humphrey's going hmm yeah mm. well the thing is you're gonna have it's gonna be on some bbc news or radio program where you have annie debating the QAnon guy but then the debate won't be complete until someone phones in and go look listen talking about the nonces is all very well and good but my <laughs> kettle is louder than my lawnmower <laughs> um 
a reference to something we said on a different podcast we recorded today. But also a reference to just what every British yeah. piece of radio uh, is like. I think, right, like, because the, the thing is, you know, uh, political movements adapt to their, the environment they're in. You know, the uh, Tufton Street industrial complex of the different, like, reactionary think tanks that we've talked about, I think, last year or whatever, that doesn't exist in the way that it does without the British media's obsession with trying to find balance on its panel shows all the time. It's like a little incubator for people mm. to go on and just say whatever shit accords with, you know, the furthest right Americanized institution of what Britain could be. And so I do not, I, I would not be surprised. All that would have to happen, right? is for someone to have a Facebook group with a mailing address, and all of a sudden they're an institution. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're a registered charity. Maybe they're a company. And then the BBC or Sky or whatever well, that's can book just them for a the, panel show. That's literally just what the Taxpayers Alliance are. Yeah, it's the Tufton a- Street Industrial Complex. Yeah, a- any number of these things. And wh- one thing I will say, mm. just to kind of like wrap up my feelings on this, is that like... You see occasionally on the left, people are, like otherwise otherwise smart people will say, "Oh, well, the reason why Republicans or why conservatives are going so crazy is that they've lost the culture war, um, and so this is like the only thing that they've got left because public opinion is so vastly against them." Eh, not so much. It's a lot more mutable than I think those people realize, and this is perhaps like uh, mm. sort of a, a, a counteroffensive here that we should be. Uh, extremely yeah. concerned by. Yeah, it's not public opinion. It's like polite society public opinion, right? Mm. It's like it's like the media class public opinion, where like you know they they hate the like the naughty, rude racism, oh, but just, they also hate Jeremy Kilby. Just just so long as those people don't have a massive role in shaping the views and uh, like uh, actions of the public as a whole, we should be fine. Mm. I mean, I would say something too. Is that I mean, one thing that I think conspiracies like this and this is sort of my final thought uh conspiracy theories like this and conspiracy theory movements if you will they oftentimes bring people out who aren't necessarily invested in or engaged by party politics and electoralism and you know just like the normal sort of public opinion or you know public barometer you might describe as far as like what a cultural moment is and so in a way yeah, even if the Republicans have lost the culture war with regard to like their hot button issues that got them elected in 2004, that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, there isn't a large significant population of people who fall for this shit and become politicized by it. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, you're already seeing QAnon open oh, vocal QAnon supporters, QAnon participants in America, you know, winning Republican primaries, things along those lines, uh, what does that look like in Britain? Uh, I mean, probably not that well, different. Than we've some of we've the- got a giant pool of like malleable, unexpectedly elected Tory MPs in the north mm-hmm. with absolutely yeah. like no obligation to anyone, who are also all thick as shit. Yeah. yeah, apart from the clients at their fetid sex club. <laughs> uh. so, and you know, I mean, if you want to look at that, just there are now going to be uh, in the form of like Marjorie Taylor Greene and several other people. Uh, QAnon believing uh, ha- members of the U.S. House of Representatives, and mm. the other thing, right? That this is my sort of my final thought. Uh, I like we're doing an organized final thoughts segment. Mm. Um, oh. There is a. Oh, I got any final thoughts? The. <laughs> I don't know why you haven't. Th- tell me later why you feel like you haven't need to always <laughs> imitate Andrew Long. <laughs> uh, I. But but my final thought here, right, is that. The main, the the fire of QAnon, the thick Pizzagate was always just weirdos who were obsessed with the Democrats. That mm. became QAnon when Donald Trump failed to, you know, fix all the problems with his 
business skills or whatever the belief was, like whatever the religious belief was. Brexit has always been just around the corner here, but it is all as much as you don't like to compare the two. It's this is our like unexpected um, right wing populist moment where the constitutional change, whether it's the president or a member of a trade bloc, was expected to fix all the problems and deliver us to the sunlit uplands. It hasn't happened yet. And I think when it happens and it fails to deliver us to the sunlit uplands, you will find a lot more of the volunteer border force football lads alliance grooming gangs. Oh, guys. Yeah. It's going to be a mm. lot more interesting after no and, deal Brexit. And they are going to get together, I, might, I think, with the crunchy uh, crystal vaccine moms, the anti-vax moms, and they're going to unite around QAnon, and they are going to be a very powerful and very scary political force in this country. Yeah. Also, um, don't fall into the trap of, like, Whig history, of thinking that, like, oh, well, think things are on a, the, the moral arc of the universe bends towards justice. No, things can get worse very quickly, and mm. uh, probably will. And to be honest, when this happens after a no-deal Brexit, we really are going to have to have, have an uphill battle convincing these people that the Belgians aren't all nonces, because... Uh, <laughs> um, so, Annie, Riley has a tendency to make uh, to make very declarative statements on this podcast. I'm wondering what your thoughts were as we wrap up on uh, on the prognostications we've just heard. Um, yeah, pretty much. I, I hadn't thought about the kind of Brexit angle, but I think that really 100% makes sense to me. Um, like I was saying, like this has moved so, so fast. Um, it really has been like such a kind of rapid sort of explosion, uh, which I think was kind of always going to happen. Um, but lockdown has just kind of exacerbated so many of these trends that we could have seen coming, you know. Um, and so, yeah, no, I think that 100% makes sense to me. Um, I was trying, I, I keep on like trying to think of like a, but it's not all bad news. Um, <laughs> saying, but if but, you, <laughs> if you want to get think funny, I can think of one. Yeah, if you need adrenochrome. <laughs> good news. Well, it's get harder to get. It's going to get harder to get now because oh, the people who are against its harvesting are going to be in control. If you, uh, right. Okay. I've, 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 I've found yeah, a way to do up good on news. Your adrenochrome now. No, no, no. Yeah. If, if, like, you, if you want to get rich during a gold rush, sell picks and shovels, right? And so the good news is invest in crystal businesses. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. Order your official Trash Future crystal. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's just that crystal we saw with yeah. the perfect triangle inside it. Yeah, it's got yeah. a big. It's just got a big fucking Dave Courtney on it. <laughs> a, Chal crystal. a challenge crystal. I just slam that shit out and like break the table. Yeah. Really, anyway, I don't really have any final thoughts, but my I just kind of remembered that actually the whole like. Um, you know, football bazes kind of joining forces with like crystal mums. It's sort of already happening anyway, right? It's like happening like with the whole um, like the uh, the whole like transgender and then the like the turf stuff, right? Yep. Um, so you see, like even kind of when you're going onto British cheap, turf, cheap, so which, I'm a canary. Which is which is all which is all, which is always fun, but you have like these you, you have you have these like what I assume to be like mums net people who like have um with like Twitter accounts with like low numbers of followers and you, you, you don't have to scroll that far down their profiles to sort of realize that they're kind of caught up in some sort of MLM scheme. Right. Mm -hmm. Or that they're, they're involved in some sort of, again, pyramid scheme, but it has to do with the like future, a great animal. penis washing business opportunity for you. <laughs> yeah. the, fu well, the future you know, is we all die in democratic football mums net alliance camps. 
Oh um, no. You know, but but the, one of the funniest Twitter things that I've ever seen is like some actual like Baz Millwall guy talking about how like, you know, um the leftists won't let him um let him believe in basic biology. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of like, oh fuck, that's kind of a new kind bold, of guy. But that's oh that, no, fuck football bold, turfs. Bold but the only two human genders. Cheap, cheap. Hey, why yeah. is that, why has that canary stopped cheaping? Anyway, you shouldn't pay attention to that. Time to mine more coal at the at the, at the digital coal face. What the world the world belongs to football turfs. Um, yeah. and what we're gonna do is we're gonna see like a bunch of. It's no longer gonna be like skinhead skinhead guys that run the firm. It's gonna be guys with just the turf bangs. <laughs> Wellness oh, Baz rides yeah. to glory. Because <laughs> <laughs> like these are uh, these are all these are all fundamentally compatible. As as, mm. Nate, as you said at the very beginning, these the these kinds of like crunchy wellness take care of each other, listen to each other stuff. That's all deeply compatible with fascism. Deeply, it's the same fundamental belief. It is the same. It is the same desire to do anything to do. To to solve the problems that crop up in society with mm. um, force and 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 vigor and by 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 crashing things back into shape and purification rather than simply well they think of it as purification rather than say something quite so simple as removing a little bit of capital's power um, and so you know it it is it is unsurprising that all of this weirdness all of this stuff that on the surface seems like it shouldn't come together it's unsurprising to me that in britain it is because fundamentally it's in reaction to the same thing yep well right hey great news. I, I i'm very excited for a version of have i got news for you where the punchline to every joke is just telling you to go into your town and discharge a weapon at a post office <laughs> this is going to be great that would be a better version of have i got news for you i would, I would respect that. that more yeah yeah. Um, but uh, so I think that's that about that about does us for time. Uh, Annie, I want to thank you so much for coming on and talking to us today and to encourage everyone to follow you on Twitter and listen to QAnon Anonymous. Yes, please do that. Oh, yeah. My Twitter account is locked, but that doesn't really mean anything. Just mm. I'll let any, anyone in. Yeah. And follow me. Yeah, that's right. That's no right. Unless your account no is unironic yet. wellness baz, in yeah. which case stay join, away. Join the club. <laughs> wellness baz. Also, come follow me. Buy my crystals. <laughs> before, that's right. Before we do the rest of the stuff and throw to the and throw to ginseng, uh, I also just want to say uh, we are going to hear from uh, someone from Momentum just now, uh, who is actually doing something. Who is leading up a Momentum. Um, Tenants' rights campaign, an anti-eviction campaign. I'm so annoyed that this is actually a thing because I had the drop of Keir Starmer saying "fuck off," ready to go as a punchline. <laughs> Sorry. So, uh, hey, why don't you take us away, Keir Starmer? Fuck off. Right. So I'm here with uh, Darren McLaughlin from Momentum, who is leading up an initiative on how to respond to the upcoming eviction crisis. And Darren, I was hoping you could tell me exactly what you're doing. And how, if you listen to this episode or and the last episode of our podcast about the eviction crisis, uh, what you can do to help? So today, to rent an average one-bedroom house or flat in London, uh, the average renter is paying fifty percent of their uh, of their pre-tax pay, which is obviously an absurdity, and it can't continue to go on. So I moved under Keir Starmer's labor. We will be paying forty-nine <laughs> percent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, it's much more moderate. It's much more grown up. Um, so Bristol is actually one of the most expensive cities in the country after London and 
part of that is being driven by the fact that so many Londoners are getting pushed out to places like Bristol, which means that all the local Bristolians are getting annoyed at all these Londoners coming in. And then they're all moving out to places like Western Superbear and Newport. Um, so myself and my colleagues, we were elected onto the Momentum National Coordinating Group back in June. And part of our pitch when we were running was that we wanted to reorientate momentum away from kind of internal battles and Labour Party bureaucracy and towards organising and getting active in communities and in workplaces. So we decided our first kind of major campaign was going to be on the issue of housing, which has always been a big issue for, for the last several years. But this is only going to get worse. It's going to be exacerbated by the current crisis. So the government implemented an eviction freeze on the 18th of March, which is due to end on the 24th of August. But it has been delayed by one month whilst they're trying to scramble around and figure out something to do. Because what they're facing is a kind of impossible challenge. They're stuck between a rock and a hard place because they they owe their kind of ideological support to their kind of core supporter base, which would be things like the rich and kind of like financial institutions, which depend upon maintaining this kind of rentier economy. But at the same time, what's going to happen in the near future, unless we do something about it, is that there are going to be tens of thousands of ordinary British citizens evicted through no necessarily no fault of their own. So in an average year, there are an average of 110,000 eviction claims going through British courts, nearly 10,000 a month. So in the six-month period of time when there's been a freeze, there would have been about 55,000 evictions that would have ordinarily taken place. But obviously due to kind of COVID, which means that a lot of people have lost their job, a lot of people have been on reduced incomes, that figure is going to be much higher. So according to Shelter, nearly a quarter of a million people are in rental arrears since the beginning of lockdown, which is almost half a million renters altogether, which is double the figure of last year. So what we want to do is we want to mobilize Momentum members to get active in fighting back and resisting this wave of evictions and homelessness that we're about to face. So we've been working in collaboration with tenants unions who've been leading this fight over the last few years, such as Living Rent in Scotland, London Renters Union in London and Acorn, a community union that I'm a member of, which started up in Bristol, where we've been opening up branches in towns and cities across the country. So we want to encourage and motivate our members to join these unions and to take part in the training they've been running on tenants' rights and, and eviction resistances and take part in demonstrations and direct action to kind of resist this wave of evictions that's coming. And where members live where there might not be a branch yet, perhaps they can get together with other people who might be interested in starting something up and to get something up and running. So we sent out an email to all of our members last week uh, encouraging them to sign up as, as activists and organisers in this eviction resistance. So if you are a member of Momentum, then check your emails. The, the email came out uh, under the name of Harriet Prothero Soltani, who is one of the NCG members. And if you're not a member of Momentum yet, I would encourage you to join. Um, the other thing we can do, which the, the tenants unions can't do, is that we can organise within the Labour Party. So what we want to do is get CLPs to be passing motions, get Labour members to be kind of writing to and talking to and pressuring Labour councils and Labour MPs or members of the Scottish and Welsh assemblies as well, and encouraging them to stand by our ordinary, our ordinary members and take action. Mm. So our campaign fights for three reforms. One, we want to extend the eviction ban in England and Wales 
until at least August 2021. We want to legislate to force landlords to forgive all rents accumulated during the pandemic with means-tested financial support to compensate small landlords where necessary. And we want to follow through on commitments made by both the last Conservative government and the Welsh Labour Conference to end Section 21 no-fault evictions, which you can force renters from their homes for no reason with as little as eight weeks' notice. Something that people could can do uh, is the, the World Transformed Festival is taking place online over the next month. And we've helped to put on a, a session called Renters Fight Back, which is happening Thursday the 10th between, at 7 till 8.30 with speakers from Momentum, London Renters Union and Acorn. And then we're going to be holding a workshop called Renters Know Your Rights, which is going to be hosted by a London, Rent, uh, London Renters Union activist, which is on Friday the 18th from 7 to 8.30. So, I mean, what we're facing is a kind of confluence of different crises. Like The, the government kind of scheme on uh, <coughs> renters' rights is, is kind of running out. The eviction freeze is running out. Also, their support of uh, employers through the furlough scheme is running out. So what we're facing an, a kind of coming wave. We haven't really hit the nadir of what's, of what's happening with, with COVID. Uh, and it's a crisis. It's kind of a crisis of capitalism because what you're going to see is a, is a competition no between, different, <laughs> between different factions of the capitalist class. So like outside of private kind of renters housing situations, I'm sure people are aware that commercial landlords who are renting to kind of businesses, they're, they're also not getting paid. And that's a, just a direct competition between different factions of the capitalist class. So, uh, look, if you are a member of the, if you are a member of Momentum and if you are, if that's something you want to get involved with, then where can people, um, wh- what, what can people do next as their next step? Well, if you, if you are a member already, you should have received an email within the last seven days, which gives you a sign-up link where you can, can sign up to say which level of activity and activism you want to, you're able to take part in, which could be things kind of remotely. It could be kind of just uh, contributing by helping to, to send in motions, or it could be something more direct. It could be something where you actively become active within one of the tenants' unions. So that's something that you can do, and we're going to be we're going to be spreading the word a little more and, and being becoming more clear about what we're looking for in the near future before the original freeze ends on the 20th of September. The other thing I would really strongly encourage people to do is to find which local tenants' union represents the area you live in and join them. Indeed. Well, hey, the other thing is uh, it's, uh, it's, good to be, it's good to be hearing, hearing that there are... We talk about a lot of doom and gloom, so... It's good to hear that there are concrete steps people can take to try to mitigate at least some of it somehow, even if it does involve uh, the most hated act of financially compensating certain small landlords. Um, nevertheless, uh, Darren, I want to thank you very much for uh, letting people know that there are things that they can do, uh, and the any link to follow will be in the show notes. Uh, so I think back to you, past or future Riley. Wow. What an interesting, what an interesting conversation! And I can't believe <laughs> Keir Starmer, you didn't say anything the whole time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly turned around my view on the subject. I mean, uh-huh. who knew that all that tenants needed was crystals? <laughs> so, uh, with that in mind, whatever call to action I said at the end of that segment, do that. Mm. Uh, other calls to action include subscribing to our Patreon feed, 
Uh, they also include where you can find Britnology, you can find the Boney Island Whitefish. Yeah, buy um, a crystal. Yeah, buy a crystal. <laughs> <laughs> buy some ginseng from us. Oh, we're going to have to change the fucking Twitter account to trash future crystal wholesalers. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's fucking right. Uh, that's right. Uh, and yeah, I think that um, that about does it. So once again, thank you very much, Annie. Uh, and we will see you all in the premium in a couple of days. Yeah. Nate, you look like you have something to say. No, it's all good. Oh, Thanks, yeah. everyone. Yeah, bye, bye. everybody. Fuck oh, off.